Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Of course, Jesus cares. Why? He's in the boat with them. You know, maybe you feel like you're in this great storm of life, but don't forget who's in the boat with you. Jesus had the attitude that God loves. He was submissive to God, and he put his trust in him. That's active obedience. That's what Jesus wants for us. We're not expected to die on the cross for the sins of the world, but we can model his active obedience Life often throws us curveballs. Often we can feel we are in storms we have no control over. Today, Pastor Jim wants us to remember that we are not alone at those times. Jesus is with us always and can show us how to get through those times of difficulty. People around us are also experiencing storms and we have the opportunity to step into their lives and serve them as well. Jesus has given us his faithfulness to live by, his love to give us hope, and a testimony to share with everyone we meet. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2 with part 3 of his message entitled, An Attitude God Loves. Now you think, well, that's easy for you to say, Pastor Jim. How often do people in the church ask you to do illegal things? Only early January when they ask us to post-date their uh, donation to last year. So don't do that. That's bad. Okay? <laughs> but in my business, it used to happen all the time. It used to happen all the time. I owned a company that not many people do it. We, we packaged dangerous chemicals and put them on airplanes for people. And a lot of people who didn't want to do things the right way would want to skip out of work early and ask us to do the illegal things. And I would have to tell them no. And then I'm going to say, well, I'm going to tell my boss that you screwed it up, not me. I said, well, you do what you've got to do, but I'm not doing it. Because it's wrong. It's just wrong. I don't care how much business you have. It's wrong. It's wrong. I remember one lady one time says, well, just put it on a cargo plane. There's no people. I go, how'd they fly it there, man? I, just answer that for me. <laughs> Help me figure that out. Man. You know, make that clear. I don't get it. Because at the end of the day, Christian, you and I answer to Jesus. And remember this. Nobody except you can stop you from working for the glory of God. It doesn't matter how they treat you. They can't stop you from working for the glory of God. And the Lord says it's commendable to put your service and your submission to God first, to be trusting God for the results of your work. All right, that's number one. That is, oh man. Number two is follow a suffering servant. See, what Peter knows is that this is a tough order he just gave everybody. So what does he do? He makes it supernatural. He makes it a gospel issue not just a work issue. Verse 21, he says, for this you were called. Now remember, he told us earlier in the letter that what we were called to, the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. We were called out of darkness into what? Into the marvelous light. Now he's saying to us, it's not just that. It includes patient endurance when you're suffering. It includes expressing your faith with your work. He says, so for this you were called because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example 
Now, very interesting, this word example. How many of you know what a pen is? Pen, pen. This is the way they used to teach the kids to write back then. So the, the teacher would draw the letter, and they would take this very thin piece of paper, put it over the letter, and then give the kid a pen and say, trace it. They trace it. Now we just go, I just pressed the letter on the keyboard. What's the big deal? All right, but, but that's how they would do that. And so that's the term he's using here. He's saying, he's saying okay, th- we have Jesus as an example, okay, but not an example just so we can look at it and go, oh, look, that's what Jesus did. That, that's, that's what he did. No, so we can trace it, so we can copy it, so we can, we can learn from it. He says that you should follow his steps. So he's saying this is, this is what we're going to do What did Jesus say? If anyone would come after me, he's got to do what? Pick up his cross, deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. This is Peter's just explaining that here. Then he reminds us of Isaiah 53, written hundreds of years ago, prophesying about Jesus, verse 22, who committed no sin, never one time, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. Some versions say retaliate. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed, some of your versions use a better word, I think, entrusted himself to him who judges righteously or who judges justly. What's Peter saying? I love this guy. I love this guy. He's saying for three years, man, I saw this kind of, of righteousness, this kind of righteous living, this kind of righteous suffering every day, every day, and a guy who did everything perfectly, and a guy who never did anything wrong. Now, if you read the Gospels, if you, people say, I don't know where to start in the Bible. Man, you start with the Gospels, become a friend of Jesus, man. But you read the Gospels, you don't get the impression that life was always easy for Jesus. I mean, even as a kid. Just imagine, he comes by like, oh yeah, it's the kid, his mother's a virgin, the miracle baby. I mean, just from the earliest ages. People just making fun of him, people not believing in him, people being cruel to him. Yet, he continually gave every part of his life to his heavenly father. Now, now, Bible students, this is what we call Christ's active obedience. That's the theological term for it. That he was actively involved in obeying what his father had for him. We call his death on the cross his passive obedience because the world crucified him. But he's active. So here Peter's telling us we can follow, we can participate in Christ's Active obedience, because notice everything he outlined is here. It's all what? It's in your head, in your heart, and from your mouth. That's all he's talked about here. He hasn't talked about, he hasn't talked about, about his dying or anything like that. He's just saying, listen, when he suffered, he didn't yell at everybody. He didn't revile. But what did he do? He committed himself. He entrusted himself when things were hard. He entrusted himself to his heavenly Father. In the face of opposition, in the face of the lies, in the face of the abuse, in the face of the insults, instead of panic, instead of anger, instead of lashing out, what did he do? He demonstrated trust. He demonstrated for us how to to give things to our heavenly Father. Now you say, Pastor Jim, you don't understand. You don't understand my life. You're 100%. I don't understand your life. I know you're right. But Jesus understands. Hebrews 12, 3. 
It says, for consider him, Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. What is he saying? When you're suffering for doing good, go to the cross and look at Jesus and notice the way he trusts his Father. Notice the way he entrusts himself. Don't do what seems like the right thing to do. Don't do what your goofy friends are counseling you to do. Entrust yourself to your heavenly Father. Now, I love this about Peter, man. It's been 30 years since the cross, and he is still captivated by it. Man, that all of us, should the Lord not return or we don't meet him through death, pray that 30 years from this moment we are still captivated by Jesus Christ and him crucified. I love this guy. And he realizes, he's telling us that because Jesus endured for us, that enables us to endure for him. He empowers us to do it. And this is something that we have to see because it is mind-blowing. What does Jesus say on the cross? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This is huge. So Jesus not only entrusts himself to his heavenly Father, he entrusts the people who are killing him to his heavenly Father. Man, are we entrusting our boss to our Heavenly Father? Next, next section, he's going to say, Wives, if you're, you're a Christian, your husband doesn't believe, I want you to entrust him to God. I want you to live the life and let God deal with him. Not only is he entrusting himself to his Heavenly Father, not only is he entrusting the abusers and the killers to his Heavenly Father, he's entrusting the apostles who abandoned him. Who is he entrusting him to? To him who judges righteously. What does our world say? Man, forget it. Somebody stomps on you, you stomp on them. Now there's a time we fight back. We even see that in the Bible. Paul declares his citizenship. There's a time for that. We, We understand that. We get that. But not every time. Some of us want to fight and call a lawyer every time everything just doesn't go our way. Other people say, well, just hold it in. Or just forget it. Some of you have things in your life. You just can't forget it, man. It's not going to happen. When somebody comes to you and says, like, oh, man, I was abused or I was beaten or I was treated, you know, so poorly. I mean, it's concrete. It's real. Don't tell them to forget it. Do what Peter says. Entrust it to our Heavenly Father. Do what Paul told us. Remember in Philippians? Be anxious for nothing. Trade your worry. Trade your anguish. Trade your heavy heart for prayer. The truth of the matter is this, man, that every follower of Jesus Christ will be honored, will be honored at times to ask to suffer for Jesus. I'm not talking about being some of these people that are just like they're martyrs all the time. Well, I'm just doing it for the Lord and check me out. and look. That's stupid. Elbow the person next to you, wake them up, tell them that's stupid, okay? So that's just, that's just come on. We are all going to be called at times to suffer For the Lord, why? Because it is an opportunity to show Jesus Christ to the world. Philippians 1.29, For it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, 
forgiveness of sins, eternal life. But he says there's more than that. You don't only get that, but also to suffer for his sake. Acts 14, 22, Paul and Barnabas, they're going out. They're preaching the gospel. Paul gets, he gets stoned, man. They think he's dead. He goes, oh, let's go back in the city and preach the gospel. Everybody's giving him a hard time. They do the city tour. All of a sudden, they decide they're going to go back, and they're going back to the same places where everybody hates them. And what does it say? Acts 14, 22, they were strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith. What is he saying? Don't quit. And then look what he says. And saying, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Oh my goodness, does that fly in the face of successful American Christian living. Oh my goodness. You gotta have the biggest house. Jesus, nowhere to lay his head. Goes, goes to have his last supper with his disciples, he has to borrow a room. He has to ask the guy at the hotel to comp him one because he has no money. Oh, you gotta have the biggest and the richest car. You gotta have all the best. What does Jesus, what does Jesus ride? A borrowed donkey. Come on, we are to be people who are following a suffering servant. He served us. So Peter, Peter tells the church to have this attitude God loves. Number one, be, a submissive, be submissive servants, plural, for all of us. Be like Jesus. Number two, follow a suffering servant. The only way we can do number one is we have to realize what number two is. He's kind of talking backwards here. And it all begins with number three, come to a shepherding savior come to a shepherding savior. He's still quoting Isaiah 53, verse 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that's the cross, that we, interesting again, he goes beyond again, again to forgiveness of sins and eternal life. We are mistakenly telling people in the American church that it's just about having your sins forgiven, doing your business with God, and you're done. No, 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 that's not wrong. That's not God, that's wrong, that is wrong. That's not gospel. He says that we, having died to sin, some of your versions say that we might die to sin, might live for righteousness by whose stripes, has to do with whipping, some versions say wounds, you are healed. Now the context of Isaiah 53 is not with healing in terms of you're sick or in terms of something, you know, you got a bad shoulder or something like that. The context is being healed because of sin. Now remember we said earlier that slaves might be beaten for doing the right thing. The slaves reading this would say, I know exactly what Isaiah was talking about. We did the right thing and we would get beaten and they would say what Isaiah was telling us was there would be one who would come and he would do the right thing and he would be beaten for our sins in our place. They would know exactly what he was talking about. Verse 25, for you, all of us, were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer, some of your versions say guardian, the idea is protector of your souls. Now here's what's really hard, really hard, really hard. If you see this, you're going to go to heaven. You really are. You say, that's a big promise, man. I'm, I'm going to make that promise to you right now. If Jesus Christ is the suffering servant, that makes who the unjust master? The world. And who's part of the world? People. And that's why Peter tells us that Jesus bore our sins. What does that mean? That means that on the cross, Jesus took the blame and the consequences 
for our sins. That on the cross, justice was served for violation of God's law and mercy was offered. Jesus and the apostles taught that this is the only way for the forgiveness of sins. This is the only way for salvation. Loved ones, this explains why your suffering is so valuable to God. Because suffering is the way of the cross. Suffering is the way of Jesus. That's why Jesus, who had the power to call the angels down from heaven and level the place, didn't do it. Because he had to die on the cross in our place for our sins. Because on the cross, God the Father was counting your sins against Jesus. And now offers the forgiveness of sins and the healing of your soul to anyone who would turn to God and put their trust in Jesus. You say, how do you do that? Well, he uses the metaphor of the sheep and the shepherd. You know, getting people to do what they're supposed to do, is, it's like herding cats, isn't it? <laughs> and you have to admit, and I have to admit to God, if you want to go to heaven, that you're the sheep, one of the sheep that ran away. I ran away from the shepherd. I turned my back on him. I just forgot about him. I ignored him. And then be willing to change your direction. Be willing to stop running from him, but be the sheep that runs to him when he calls your name. To be willing to turn from your sin and to turn to the shepherd See, a true Christian sees that Jesus Christ willingly submitted to his heavenly Father so we who were once slaves of sin could become sons and daughters of God if we were simply willing to submit to Jesus Christ. Christianity is a submitting religion. You see, Jesus submitted to God. We submit to him. And that's how we get to heaven. Jesus lived what we read in verse 15. Remember verse 15, he said that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. The book of Romans says this, every mouth will be stopped. That's what a clear vision of the cross does. It causes us to stop. It causes us to be quiet. It causes us to worship. And it causes us to rest in Jesus. And if you've never put your trust in Jesus, you can do that today. And have the forgiveness of sins, have eternal life, and so much more. So let me ask you this. Is it possible that someone can change? Mark chapter 4. Jesus says to the apostles, hey, let's, let's go for a little boat ride. So they get into the boat. And Peter, fisherman, professional entrepreneurial fisherman. James and John, their father had a big business. They had servants. They're fishermen. Jesus, carpenter. You could just imagine the scene. They get in the boat and Jesus is tired. He's been preaching and all that and, you know, doing miracles and stuff like that. You could just imagine the scene. And they're like, "Um, Jesus, why don't you go take a rest? 
we don't need any carpenters now. We need sailors. So there they're going, and they're just making a journey. They probably made it tons of times before. And uh, anybody remember what happened? Big storm came. Big storm came. And the big burly fishermen go, <laughs> somebody get the carpenter. <laughs> and they run to him. And Jesus is asleep. And Peter and the apostles, I mean, they're, they're really, <laughs> they're panicking. And they're like, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, of course Jesus cares. Why? He's in the boat with them. You know, maybe you feel like you're in this great storm of life, but don't forget who's in the boat with you. Jesus had the attitude that God loves. He was submissive to God and he put his trust in him. That's active obedience. That's what Jesus wants for us. We're not expected to die on the cross for the sins of the world, but we can model his active obedience. The night before his crucifixion, he's in the garden of Gethsemane and he's praying. And he says, Father, man, if there's another way, let this cup, the cup of your wrath, let it pass from me. And then he says, but not my will, but your will. What is he modeling for us? You know, active obedience. That when heaven doesn't answer us, we stay put. When heaven doesn't answer us, we trust. We put ourselves in God's hands. We submit, we trust. So then in march the soldiers. Jesus is ready, man. He's ready to go. What does Peter do? Whips out the sword. Here I am to save the day. Don't worry, God, I'll save you. Right? And what does he do? He lops the ear off of a soldier. Of course, this is not in the Bible, but I just imagine Jesus going, Oy vey. I mean, what am I going to do with this guy? Right? And, and he takes the ear and he puts it back on. And they go and they take him away to the trial. People come up to Peter and go, Hey, hey, weren't you one of them? What did Peter do? Panicked. Panicked. No, I don't know him. No, I don't know him. No, no way, no way, no way. Years later. Years later. Acts chapter 12. Herod, a vile, wretched man, kills the apostle James, the brother of John, one of Jesus' inner three. And he arrests Peter he already knows that they're prone to have angels pull him out of jail in the middle of the night. So he says to the guards, you surround him. Back then, you, the prisoner escapes, then... So Peter is surrounded by the guards. He's in jail. What do you think he thinks is going to happen to him that night? Done, right? Done. He's making, Herod's making examples of the apostles. You want to preach this, Jesus? You want to say there's another king? Watch what we do to you. So the angel comes into the prison that night. Peter's in the middle of the guards. Asleep. <laughs> because he's learned how to entrust himself to his heavenly father. Because he's learned how to trust his abusers and trust his abusers to his heavenly father. He's trusting the shepherding Savior. He's submissive to God's will. 
May our hearts overflow with such love and such trust and such submission to Jesus Christ our Lord. May his sacrifice motivate all of us to follow in his steps. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There you can listen to archive broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through the book of 1 Peter. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love.